Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 410, being recorded on July 27th, 2016. I'm Ryan Shrell. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peake. And that's it. And Alan Avantano. And Alan Avantano. Right. No Jeremy. No Jeremy. Jeremy's on Canadian holiday, which I believe is snow something, something beer <laughs> And um, and they get like 16 weeks a year of holiday. No, it's, yeah. it's total crap. You know, now I think about it, he didn't actually file for vacation from us. Yeah, he right? just like, does he it. Didn't, he didn't submit any form to me for you have a form for vacation. Yeah, if you don't fill it out, I'm actually docking pay every time. Oh. Darn. So, so what, what what timesheet app are you using? <laughs> don't worry about it, Josh. <laughs> okay. Your grand uh, your grandfathered into something uh, else. Yeah. <laughs> Something. All right, the the pay docking starts this month, as it turns out. <laughs> um, Until morale improves, it's yep. uh, it's actually just been accumulating. This month, I'm going to send you a bill for yeah. like fifteen grand. <laughs> all it's like, those oh, times, it's all the time you took off. Um, so anyway, let's get uh, into the show this week. Welcome to the show. We're in the show. Yep. Um, uh, we do record on uh, we record it live. You can watch us record the show live in very stupid fashion at pcpro.com/live. You got it. It didn't do a thing. Click it and then click the arrow down. There you go. There. Okay, good. Just working. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to a little notifications list if you want to know we're going to do a live stream by going to pcper.com slash subscribe. You get this little uh, form. Ask for two items, your name and your email address, and we'll let you know we're going to do uh, live streams. Uh, we're supposed to have another one on Friday with Sapphire. I think that's going to be as scheduled this week. Sweet. Um, we also are going to... Um, have a, a, a hardware workshop live stream we'll talk about in a second as well. So pcpro.com slash live is the URL to find the stream. pcpro.com slash subscribe so we can get you a notification for that. And also, of course, as is uh, tradition now, uh, we do have a Patreon campaign that we uh, would love for you to support. That is at patreon.com slash pcper. Uh, and that takes you to this page here um, that basically is uh, viewers, readers, listeners, uh, a place where they can directly contribute to the site if they think that we are uh, worth the amount that we're talking about right here. So, you know, you can read the story about why we're doing it, what the goals are of it. Um, you can see pictures of Josh. We talk about this every week. Uh, every. And, and every. As, of, as is normally the case, if you uh, submit a new pledge or increase your pledge by some reasonable amount, not a penny, not five pennies, uh, during the stream, I will read off your name, congratulate you, thank you. You can put whatever asinine thing you want, almost anything asinine you want in the in the name uh, of the submission, and we will read that out loud. So um, we'll uh, we'll do that. I don't have any yet. Usually by now, there's one that has shown up. Usually a real smart ass one, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's okay. We'll go we'll go from there. Patreon.com slash PC per couple of other things right off the bat. We still have our uh, killer contest going uh, until the 31st. So you still have a few more days to enter. This is uh, sponsored by killer networks, alienware and logitech. They uh, are giving away a, the grand prize winner will get an alienware R 15 gaming laptop, which is uh, I think it's a $1,200 piece of hardware. Sweet. Uh, pretty pretty impressive stuff. And then five uh, runners up will actually get a combination of they'll get a uh, let me make sure what headset it is. It is the G sixty three headset, the G eight ten keyboard, and the G five zero two mouse. 
Uh, and so we'll have five of those to send out as well. There's lots of ways to enter. You can Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, signing up for that notification list we just mentioned. Uh, and obviously, uh, you can go to uh, PCPro.com and just hunt on the front page there for Killer Networks Anywhere and Logitech Summer Giveaway. We thank them for their support on that. And um, we mentioned it last week and the week before, but now we have our landing page up. If you go to PCPro.com slash workshop, you will find this page, which uh, – Lists and announces the um, the hardware workshop that we're having. Uh, I'll get it uh, in uh, 2016. That's uh, only a week from today. Well, no, we leave a week from right now. A week from right now. A week from right now. So we leave, we're leaving we leave, Wednesday night. We leave Wednesday night. Okay. Uh, now there is. You'll see here. If you guys don't know what it is, QuakeCon is a huge LAN party in Dallas, Texas, every summer. It's a really cool event. You know, I think they have. 2,200 BYOC seats, I think, plus there are 10,000 people that will just come to go look through the exhibit halls and go to the events and stuff like that. We always have an event on Saturday. Now, if you look at this page, you will see that uh, there is one change that I'm not super excited about, and that is this sucker right here. It is this 10 a.m. start time. People are going to be so hungover. Uh, That's like 9 o'clock my time. That's 11 o'clock my time, and I still think it's too early. Normally, we're like at noon. I think we were at 11 one year. We were at like 12.30 one year. Yeah. For whatever reason, uh, we got bumped down to 10 a.m., bring your hungover ass, some coffee uh, type of thing. I'm going to see if I can figure out to to get 1,500 people coffee. We'll make it uh, worth it. In the morning. Not not coffee, but hardware. So it should uh, wake you up just as well. We'll have T-shirts. We'll have prizes. Uh, Our T-shirts this year are sponsored by NVIDIA, Logitech, and Asus. I think you're really going to like the designs we've gone with this year. If you follow me on Twitter, you've probably (laughs) seen some hints. At what uh, the style and uh, uh, kind of humor is going to be. Uh-huh. And if you can see we've got a, a tentative list of hardware. There's going to be more added to this uh, prizes, right? So we've got AMD will have something there, I hope. We don't Graphics cards-wise, uh, we're working on it. Uh, we've got Corsair. We've got EVGA. We've got G-Skill. Logitech. A ton of stuff from Logitech. Um, 16 crap. keyboard, 16 mice, 12 uh, the wireless headsets, 12 That's like the, more than any it's, year. It's 21 boxes of stuff. He told me it was going to be wow. Uh, Kingston sending some stuff. MSI has some motherboards and video cards. Nvidia has a couple of Shield Android TVs. They also are gathering a lot of GPUs, uh, Pascal GPUs for us uh, as well. OCZ has some stuff in there. Silverstone, Seasonic is in there. Thermal Take, Western Digital, and of course we'll have. T-shirts and whatnot as well. And this list list will expand between now and next week. So there's going to be a lot of stuff there. Um, you have to be there in person to win. Yep. Uh, we don't. There will be a live stream of it if you just kind of want to watch because we'll have Tom Peterson will be there. He'll be on stage to talk about some funny shit probably. He's usually pretty funny. Uh, uh, I think uh, who else is going to be on stage with us? Logitech will not actually be there in person. Asus will probably be there. Logitech won't be. Um, oh, just at our hardware workshop. Yeah, because they usually have guys. Yeah, they're there. not. They're not. They're not going to be anybody there. I don't think. I think timing wise, it didn't work out for. Them. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's ten in the freaking morning. Well, no. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> They're like, screw that noise. I'm, I'm EVGA, I think, is going to kind of do some stuff with Tom as well. So it's a cool show, uh, plus a lot of stuff to give away. It's, a, it's really fun. I'm glad to be back. We missed last year because of the uh, of my daughter being born earlier than expected. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll be there. So if you want to come up and say hi, uh, we'll be there from Thursday at about noon through Sunday morning. Um, so feel free to do so. We'll be wandering around and, uh, I don't know, drinking beer and challenging people to video games that we're not very good at that's typically that's Probably. typically it's typically how this goes um 
we did get we did get one Patreon update already. It is from JP Dalimar, who edited their pledge from four twenty to five ninety nine. So there's an increase in the correct direction. Thank you very much, JP. Uh, and uh, anybody else who's up there, we'll we'll mention as well. Well, you did five ninety nine because um, you know. No, nah, it's nine ninety nine. Is what oh, you get that oh, for? Sorry, that's sorry. Not, that's you got to shoot higher if you yeah, want. If you I mean, want the Josh, if, if it just ends in ninety nine, he can no, just say no. ninety nine. Needs to be three nines. So that's, not, that's not as good. So let's get into the reviews this week. Uh, first up, Silverstone SFXL seven hundred watt power supply. Um, we don't go into a lot of detail on our power supply reviews here in terms of like reading them word for word. Right. I do. I do want to point something out there. So this is an SFX form factor, seven hundred watt lengthened platinum certified i like that the sfx is the small form factor right? yes but it is lengthened which i find oh. interesting <laughs> interesting as well so it was so like it's, it's small but it's, it's small but it's but, but it's, it's a large. little bit longer <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean come they on. didn't want to go the full small it is sfx l form factor oh so that's but, actually a form factor okay good i, I oh. think yeah, SF, it'll mount to it. any mini itx case or other case with an sfx mount but you have to have added depth because it is just a little a, bit. It goes longer. further. Yeah, it's it goes deeper. further into the case. It goes deeper yes. in. Yeah, it goes in deeper. Right, right, Josh. Goes, no, goes in deeper. Oh, okay. Um, now, so this this is uh, a power supply. I don't think like you could you could actually buy this power supply and put it in a normal ATX case, and you could use it with any normal system. It's got plenty of power, seven hundred watts, but it's really meant sure. for small form factor designs. It, it wouldn't fit properly in the in the mount. They sell adapters, right? Oh, okay. I think Sebastian, you would know that. Do they do they have adapters to like? Adapt SFX, SFX to, to ATX mounting? Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah, okay. They do. Now, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself because you could get probably less expensive power supply yeah. that's going to oh, be Oh, yeah. You'll definitely quieter. pay more for SFX in the same like wattage, same certification. Yeah. Just because it is smaller, they're using smaller components. And, and, and this is an 80 plus platinum in that form factor as well. So it's even more impressive. Um, jumping here to the conclusions, I want to, I do want to check on, on what he says here about it. It is 150 bucks. So it's, it's expensive for sure, but it's not that much more than other platinum power supplies that we've talked about recently. Yeah. Uh, and it does get a silver award for, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you performance. know, he dinged the, the warranty. thing that, that makes me yeah. so happy. Yeah. Look at the size of that cap. That is right up here. Super cap. Well, it's it, you got to realize it's relative to a smaller. I know supply. it is, but that's it's still it's still beefy. it makes me happy to see really large caps. Yeah, you need you need huge. You a, need big caps. caps. A, a real quick power. mention for people, uh, not specific to this power supply in general, but keep in mind that we are one of the last people, I believe, one of the last major media outlets doing like dedicated individual power supply reviews that yeah. are really really good. Yeah, uh, Lee basically duplicated the testing methodology and hardware that the 80 plus cert group uses um, to generate our loads and, and kind of do all the analysis and stuff like that. Yep. So it's not easy to do a thing to like have a load that can handle over a thousand watts. Right. And precisely. St- not, and, and, and a stable. And do it in a very yeah. precise manner, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would I would encourage you. I'm not like I say. Hey, go read every power supply review we do. If you're not in the in the market for power supply, but they're all really good. But but keep in mind, you know? uh, maybe when you're looking at those Patreon contributions, you think, wow, Ryan still pays a guy to do. De-. There was a time when everybody had power supply reviewers. It's None true. of them were as good as Lee, but everybody had them. Yeah, yeah, because everybody just go into their BIOS of the motherboard and read off the right. uh, yeah 
the values there in the, in the hardware monitor, no matter how crappy oh, they yeah. were. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. When he talks, um, you got to hit the button. Sorry, yeah. Um, you got to hit know, the button. The multitasking is not, it's kind of <laughs> not, it, yeah. Um, so there is that. Um, so uh, we appreciate what Lee does here. Like we actually, I don't think we've ever done a power supply review from FSP, but they're one of the major power supply like sourcing OEMs okay. for, for units. And I got an email from them today. I said, hey, we really like what Lee does. We have some units we're going to start selling to the consumers. We looked at one today that was like a – it was a power supply that was a um, ATX form factor that was actually a redundant power supply. It had like two modules oh, in yeah, it, two 700-watt yeah. modules. It fit within an ATX yeah. form factor. So something cool we'll probably take a look at in the, uh, yeah. in the near future it's as well. pretty cool. Now, okay, I'm going to admit here I did not read this story. Uh-oh. But I know that there are things happening with Windows 10. Oh, he's just talking about like the update stuff. So, but, like how the update stuff works. But but the idea is the Windows 10 upgrade is no longer free at the end of July, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. But he was trying to clarify how that stuff works as far as like if you want to actually some of the comments go into it as well. But like, you know, say you want to be able to do the upgrade later for free right. on a system, right? Well, you could potentially like back your stuff up or whatnot. Do the upgrade. If you don't like it, roll it back. But then once you've done it on that piece of hardware, that, like, hash, whatever gets generated from that set of hardware, yeah. goes up to Microsoft. Sure. And they keep that. So then you should be able to do that install again later, and it should activate without issue. Does the rollback work well? I've not heard super I, I haven't heard the best things it. about it. Like, I've done it successfully. It. I've done so, a rollback successfully. But, like, there, there people have had issues with it. Okay. Um... That's why I was saying backup. Like I slipped that in there because, you know, it's right. Um, you know, if if it's a if it's a system like basically a few weeks back, I went through my house and just laptops that I had that I wasn't really using that were just OEM. You know, that came with Windows seven, eight, whatever on them. Mm-hmm. Like I just updated all of them to ten, and then just blew them all away and went back to the factory restore. Oh, I see. Okay, right. Rather than so, do the rollback, you just rather than roll back, I just like I just said, yeah. you know, I don't care what's on these anyway. Okay. I'll just roll them back, so that way they're they're back at this state the, that they came. Uh, if I ever want to go back to ten with them, I can. Yeah, you know, Technos, Technoscope in the chat says you can vouch for it. The activation process is painless once a key is linked to your hardware. PC guy does remind you you need thirty gigs of room on your primary partition for the rollback. Yeah. Uh, to work. So, so Ryan, about that uh, laptop you let me use, do you think I should go Windows 10 on it? I don't see why not. Okay, I'll yeah, do it. Go for it. Okay. That was one of the eval units, right? Yeah, it was one of the Intel ones. Yeah. Sure, oh, go yeah. for Ken it. said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't the button. do that oh, if I were you. But that's see, Ken. The problem is, is that I can look at the screen here and I can see Josh yeah. on a screen. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very tiny screen. See it's, Josh. It's, it's a tiny Josh. But it's whoa, a Josh, whoa. nonetheless. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're worried about the type of stuff, uh, check out the, the short editorial that Scott wrote up on it. It's interesting. I have a guy uh, that is in my golf league, the kind of the secretary who's responsible for all of it, who is worried about having a – he has Windows 7 on a machine. Yeah. But a piece of software that he uses to manage the golf thing doesn't run on Windows 10 for some reason. Yep. And he's trying to figure out – He's, he doesn't want to not upgrade to Windows 10 before the end of the month. Otherwise, he's going to have to pay, but he doesn't want to lose access to that application before should, the end of the year. He should honestly just do VMware Converter on that install. I don't believe that is a 
phrase I would say to this person. Well, <laughs> I guess. I don't think that is a good starting point for a conversation. Because like, there's a thing that will just pull an image of that of that whole install in its current state. Yeah. Right? Like my dad passed away. Yep. I wanted to blow away his old laptop. Yep. I wanted to back it up, though. Sure. So I'd, instead of doing a backup, I just did a VMware convert of it. It now takes I have, the current... It takes okay. the whole system, yeah. and it just turns it into a VM. So now I have a VM of that whole machine. Right. And it's in the exact... The desktop icons are still in the same place, even. Like, everything runs exactly as it did. That's pretty right? cool. Right? It just kind of transitioned it to a software machine. Mm. Uh, and then I blew away that laptop, and I put Windows 10 on it, and that was one of the ones that I did that and on. And then you just use VM Player. It's just VMware Player. It just plays it back. And the VMware Converter is a free app. Yeah, okay. So we'll it's see. just, it's you know, it's something just worth considering. You can basically run it. You can run it on the system that you're making the VM of, even, and just dump the destination image. It just image. basically does a clone, like... Type of thing. It, yeah, you, you should have like an, an external drive yeah. plugged in or something, and that's where it puts its image. But once it's done that and it puts it in that place, that's it. It's a VM. You just fire it up separately, and okay. it's, it's that machine. Yeah. You know, um, it might be enough for him to be able to handle if it's even if it's a low, you know, low bar of uh, level of knowledge. Technology, entry. yeah, it, it is. It's reasonable, but yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to our next story, uh, we did get some Patreon updates here. Uh, Casey Lyon edited their pledge from ten dollars to twenty dollars. Ooh. Thank you, thank you that very could have much. Been a uh, but hey, twenty. We'll Richard Bowersocks is a new pledge of five bucks. Thank Thanks. you very much. Uh, uh, we got a new pledge of three dollars and sixty nine cents from Linda Talk Tips. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> from Linda Talk Tips, uh, and then we have a brand new pledge from Saudis did nine one one. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it like that on purpose. <laughs> wow! <laughs> of three dollars, I don't know if that was worth three dollars necessarily, but uh, I did say almost anything, and that does count as almost anything. Okay, so, there we go. We're moving on. Uh, real quick again, uh, Maury posted a review of an XSPC Raystorm Pro CPU water block. It looks like this. It's nice looking. It looks cool. He deals with the coolest stuff, doesn't he? He gets all these fun things. Nice fun. Look at the nice look at the light. I. Ca- that's pretty cool. It's it's gimmicky. It doesn't affect your performance, but it looks pretty neat. It's like Tron look kind of It's just style. LED lights. Yeah. Right? I would like to see them um, try to inject LED lights up through the tubing somehow. Like, just a really bright light, yeah. on, you know, waterproof LED. Uh, yeah, that, that's going to affect your performance negatively, probably. It might. Um, they make, like, T, elbow T things, yeah. where the LED is just inserted and it's just pointing. Okay down the pathway but it only goes so far copper block know. top copper base plate uh jet impingement copper. plate it's all copper pass through channels or micro channels and uh coolant ports too thank you for the uh the feature breakdown i really like the ones that don't have an extra bracket don't have an extra bracket. yeah like look at that thing yeah the mount holes are part of it's, the block yes so you can only use it with that with a subset of processor that's, sockets. that's true but it's i mean they're kind it's of they're kind of slots so you can they're not just holes Right there. Well, they, it goes for AM three, FM two, and Intel sockets. Yeah, so okay. it's like you're covered. See, because they're slots, they give you yeah. There's wiggle the room whole, there, yeah, right? Okay. But there's no extra stuff to worry about, like yeah. coming loose or Look anything that like finish. that. You know, it's it, just a nice finish. And I'm not talking about those guys next to the Swedes. <laughs> I, I I think it looks really good. Yeah. I I I don't do water cooling myself, but every time I see Maury. Uh, kind of do builds like this. Um, it's it's impressive to to see. If we take a look at performance real quick here, 
So he even tested in a vertical versus a horizontal I mean, setup. It's gonna be. There's a slight. There's a one degree difference, okay. essentially, right? So within margins of error, probably. Yeah. Um, but at, at uh, let's see, max core, 37 degrees Celsius temperature delta, compared to a Noctua NHD 15, which is an enormous ass heatsink. Yep. Uh, which is 40. So you're only getting three degrees Celsius advantage. Sure. Is that what you want from water cooling these days? I, but look at those idle temps. That's okay. really where it's at. Okay, that's 11 degrees difference at idle Celsius. Yeah. Well, then again, the Noctua is spinning very, very low at idle. So True. If he has the that's PWM true. version. True. Yeah. Uh, that was with um, Haswell at stock. Overclocked, the difference is still about 4 degrees Celsius under load. Uh, and 15 degrees Celsius at idle. Um, a little bit more difference, 6C, when looking at an X99 platform at a uh, Haswell E uh, uh, 8-core design yep. there. So This also shows you how well the all-in-one from Corsair, the H100i, does. Yeah. Now it, 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 certainly with, with the, the Haswell he was showing, but now we move on to the... My performance part, and that was a bigger difference. Yeah, the the Haswell you overclocked. Uh, you it's fifty seven C for the Noctua cooler down to forty two for the for the the Raystorm Pro we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So the that's, Corsair so that's pretty only big. managed fifty one. So yeah. you're getting a big advantage when you're doing a loop, obviously with this. So the more the the more heat you're generating, the more benefit you're going to get from the water cooling versus the air cooling. Yeah, that's what I've always yeah. found. Any kind of high performance one. The last one I tested was um, the EKWB. Predator, I think yeah. the 240, and that one was, you know, whatever. I could match it with any of the tower, like the big tower coolers, like the D14 that I have. Yep. Then when you started overclocking, the more and more wattage it had to contend with, suddenly it, the distance became greater like that. Right. One other thing, though, if you're looking at this review, uh, if you go to the third page when they show included accessories, yep. the backplate for this is kind of interesting. It has the standoffs, which you attach to the backplate, and then that goes up from under the board. So then you're working completely up on the surface of the motherboard after that. You don't have to go oh. back to the bottom. Okay. Nothing is tightened through the bottom after you install the standoff. That's pretty nice. Yeah, that is nice. I see. Just yeah. stays that way and yeah. yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. It's a it's it's about a seventy to eighty dollar product. That's which, not a bad which doesn't for a sound bad. I, it's, yeah. it's not a bad price for a water. As somebody block. who doesn't do water cooling very often. Yeah. That seems reasonable, but obviously it's not directly comparable to a cooler where because you have to have other stuff. Right, like to have reservoirs it, it's just it's a solid block of copper stuff. though. It costs yeah. money. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. like that with that kind of finish. Yep. That's, that's a good deal. Editor's choice from Mori. I imagine we will see this in his QuakeCon build. It's probably already on that uh, system next week <laughs> when we uh, when we get down to Dallas. So we'll we'll, we'll be sure to check that out. Uh, this is a, a review from a uh, infrequent. But welcome, editor, yeah, contributor to the site, Jim Tanos, uh, who did a review of an Angelbird Wings PX1. Now, what having, the heck is having, that? Having no idea, if you're just listening to the audio version, I'm not going to say the rest of the title. Let's see. We, te- I we, said, we tested an Angelbird SSD. We tested the Angelbird Wings PX1, and you have to oh. guess what the hell that is. I tested the, the only mouse. other. I tested the only other Angelbird thing. That was an Angelbird thing. It was an SSD. It? Okay. All right. See, I had even forgotten about that. So we tested no, it, it had a very nice finish on yes. it. That was the one that was okay. Yes, it was uh, extruded aluminum, real nicely done. Like everything it was. Yeah. It was built like yeah. the old, uh, like the old iPod uh, Nanos were built, actually. So this is this is a PCI Express adapter for M.2 
drives. So yep. if you want an, if you have an M.2 SSD and you want to put it on in a, in a normal PCI Express slot as opposed to on your motherboard, and this has the added benefit of including a heatsink option with it. So he went into it as, okay, he had one of these drives. He bought this item. Yep. Is, it, is it making any tangible difference to my performance, my temperatures, whatever yep. it is? He had a 950 Pro. Yeah, he did have a Samsung 950 Pro Yep. Uh, that you can see right there. And, and it, it is a nice-looking it is for an, those, M, for an M.2 adapter. Those orange strips there are actually LED strips. Yeah, so if you look there, look at that light up SSD, guys. And you get that water block from the last review. Yeah. And, and then this guy. and You got your G4, he's got his G4 GTX logo up there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got the Asus uh, LEDs in the back on the audio, the motherboard. Man. Mm, you know, nice. a few more lights in there, you won't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> That's just true. Uh, it's a nice thing. you'd want to with too. this performance. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. Um, so he did he did some testing here, um, and there it's interesting. He compared it to uh, just installing it on the motherboard, uh, the Angel Wings, Angel Bird Wings Angel Bird PX1, Wings, yeah. and then the ASUS adapter, which is a passive, completely passive uh, PCI Express adapter that is basically the same thing functionally. Yeah. It right. doesn't have a heatsink on it, right? but it's just a PCB. So here's your adapter. idle and max temperatures, and lo and behold, the max temperature of that SSD when running on the motherboard is 75 degrees Celsius, Yep. and on the Angel Bird device is 30 degrees Celsius lower. Now, keeping in mind that it's still down to 64 of the, just using the Asus adapter. Yeah, because it's, it's just in a different position, and yeah. in, in his case, he probably has more airflow across a card. Than, than, than that location, than the motherboard, motherboard, that location of the motherboard. Uh, yes, I would assume that is definitely the case. Uh, yeah. And this is the Asus adapter right here. And you can see that, like, there is just opening between the the bottom of the SSD and um, and the PCB for and the, the adapter. PCB of the adapter. Yep. Right. Whereas on the Angelboard one, I believe uh, that's where they have part of the no, heatsink. Or is I, it only on the top? The, the pad is to the top section, I believe. Okay. So you actually are putting the... Yeah. If, think on top if you of if it, you had some thermal pads, you could you might have to stack a couple of them, but mm-hmm. you could put them even on that Asus adapter yeah. between or any you know M.2 adapter between the SSD and the PCB of that adapter, and it just gives you more surface area to sure. spread that heat around. And they only make like six watts max usually, so it's not it's not so much you know it's a tiny thing. It doesn't have a lot of surface area on its own, right? Right. So the thermal throttle railing really comes in when you know it's just like. It's making six watts over the thing, a thing the size of a gum stick. What did you make of these performance results, right? Like, so uh, again, tested on the motherboard, on the Angelbird, on the stock adapter. Um, performance is pretty close yeah. the whole way up, and it then it reaches the same peak, thing? and it has this fall off on the motherboard. But the fall off is at very, very large transfer sizes. Yeah, and uh, on reads and writes. And if it were just writes, you might understand. Yeah, it did it on both. But the only thing I could think that was different there was it was connected to a different set of lanes, which maybe that system is just doing something different. Right. I wouldn't attribute that change to, to the temperature. temperature. Yeah, because the, the motherboard was actually in the middle as far as the temperatures went. So, no. Motherboard, oh wait, the motherboard was the highest. The motherboard was the highest. Yeah, yeah. And the adapter um, uh, was the middle one. It's, the possible, adapter. it's possible that maybe it just heated up enough by the end of that test, that yeah, it fell it started off? to cycle, or uh, that it started to throttle. Throttle, yeah. Uh, I mean, that could do it. I think that might that might actually be the more likely thing. The more I look at it, yeah, yeah. Uh, you really, is, I mean, you've written and read a lot of data in a row at at top speed. Yeah. By the time you get to that part of the test, I so. think I think his conclusion is kind of where we'd come with it. That this device is seventy five dollars, 
And it's yeah. And, and, and if you're in, if you're like, hey, I like cooler temperatures, but I also like the LEDs and the way it looks and style. That's that's something. But I wouldn't pay seventy five dollars for the yeah. heat sink portion of this alone, right? And like, then there's there's a, especially if you're buying with what comes with one for free. If you really want to geek out on the SSD stuff, like if I was using this, if I wanted to use one of these just for looks, yep. I would probably connect the thermal pad because the thermal pad that comes with that is long enough to to connect even the flash yeah. to the heatsink. I would cut the thermal pad just the size of the controller, so that only the controller is connected directly to that heatsink, not the flash. Because the way that the JDEC standard works, and if you if you know just how flash memory works and all that, how it's certified, qualified, whatever, Make this for a very quick en- for endurance, right? Yeah. You want flash to be warmer while you're using it. You want it to be colder when you're storing it. Yeah. Because of friction. No, because it's... The, if you, Rubbing if, the menu. You see, if, if you get it warmer, then the lubrication that causes oh, God, the bits no, to go no, faster. No, 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 no. It's going to go faster to the rows and columns. But if it's colder, then that lubrication going. freezes in place and the data doesn't move. No, 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 no. Yeah, you got to lube up the flash for sure. <laughs> no, every time you lube the flash, an angel... I want to see the red face. <laughs> Oh God, no! I don't think we want to go into a very technical discussion on this. It's harder to reprogram Flash. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet it is. When it's colder. Um, yes, it's well, harder for the. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is harder Diamond, to lose the Flash when it's cold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, no, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. All right. Oh, electrons don't like tunneling through cold insulators. <laughs> okay. What's funny is I'm not even trying to go for the innuendos anymore, and it just keeps oh, happening. Oh, man. Alan, we, many of us have experienced the miracle of life. Okay, you don't need to explain it to us. <laughs> this yeah. is the miracle of flash life. Electrons don't like the tunnel down, down the pipes. Uh, apparently they do. So check out that review if anyway, you might. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into uh, our last story here. And, and, and this is a very interesting device. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it again. We did a separate video on because it. Because we did a separate video on this. This is the Rapid Spar thing. It comes in a little tiny briefcase. This is a data recovery instrument. Yeah, that's the best name I could think of, and that's... Well, that's what they call it. They call it that. Right. I was I was going to call it, like, data recovery tool. This is what you're looking at. Uh, uh, not yeah. not the top here or the bottom. These are hard drives, as you can tell. Yep. This device over here, which is essentially what you're looking at, is a freestanding data recovery uh, instrument, a data recovery tool that will allow you to attach hard drives to yep. each other and attempt to do data recovery in many different unique ways. But you can also connect this device up to a PC using their using their software to like more intelligently attempt to do the data recovery. Yeah, you can steer it. Yeah, they call it targeted recovery. I, right. It's I just, think it's um, it's probably worth noting first. This is not really targeted at a consumer, an individual consumer. No, because it's, it's like, a two thousand dollar yeah, product. It's, it's a couple of grand. It's meant for who? It's meant uh, for like a mom and pop computer shop that, like, that's using this to make money. Yeah, uh, or it's um, meant for IT departments that have to deal with a lot of cons- lot of users that you know, somebody like Josh or Jeremy, where they're uh, yeah, where they're dealing actually. with a lot of people's drives, right? Yeah, and um, like they well, have once to you've done them. once you've done six or seven recoveries, that would have been like you know kind of the flat rate for like most logical recoveries, just right. kind of like not the invasive ones, but the kind of cheesy recoveries are like three hundred bucks. Sure, and this will handle those just fine. Yeah, right. Um, so, 
There, there's a lot of detail in this article yeah, that I think you should check out. Like the, the the super short version is like a hardware thing like this does things that software tools can't do. It can issue reset commands to the drive. It can speed up how it's able to get through bad sectors, stuff like that. The, and then, the most interesting thing to me was that the software the, that comes was with the it. idea that this device. Let me see here. Yeah. Can will be able to talk to drives. Yes. That sometimes don't even show up in a BIOS. Yeah, they I don't have th- show up. I, I have three drives that will firmware. not initialize. Yeah, on any computer you plug them into. Yeah, that I plugged into that, and it popped up just fine. And then whether or not you get all the data back or part of the data back is is a different discussion. But the fact that it can, it's 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 communicating at a lower level than even a BIOS yeah. would. Well, they know the other drive. tricks. Like these same guys make the tools that the data recovery places use. Also, they they're they're stepping lower to make this right. So there's an awful lot of traits like and capabilities that's in their higher-end stuff right. that they've put in this. They put it in it in a very dumb way, like, I can't reconfigure this a lot. You know, there's sure. a whole bunch of knobs and switches on their, on their high-end stuff. Sure. Right? But this, you, they kind of take a lot of that hands-off thing. They almost go on, like, the Drobo approach, right? Where it's just, right. like, it just works, right? They've done a lot of that with this, but just, so it, it you know. It has the ability, like, if you... You can do it completely hands off, where it's got a touch screen on it, right? And yeah, you could tell it to start imaging. Just image the drive. Yeah. Or you can do things like you were talking about in the software. Say, hey, I know that this hard drive that's dead, my wedding photos are on here, and it's the only place I have them, and I want you to get those first. Yep. I want you to try to get those first. Yep. And it will do that. Yeah. The software in that you run on your way. the software that you run on your system can co- like coordinate with that. And steer what it's imaging. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's just like, oh, okay, only look for the master file table. Okay, what kind of partitions do I have? Here's NTFS. Only look for the directory listings. Yeah. Just give me those, right? And that's the only stuff it's reading, you know? And it, and it, and it does, you were telling me really cool things about, like, it, it reads it, and then it copies it to the destination drive. Yeah, you have to have a, a second drive a target. attached. Yeah. Because when it goes to read it again, it doesn't read the drive that's in question, yeah, right. it, it, it reads it from the other from the good drive. Yep, it won't touch the the source a second time for the same data. Because why? You just, you, it's on its way out potentially. You don't like every time you read from a drive, you are f- your potential for killing it. Well, writing goes up. Writing, writing is, is super bad. Okay, this does not write anything. It will never to write the, to the drive. It doesn't write. Yeah, it has the capability of reprogramming firmware, which right. is actually handy. Yeah, you ever heard of doing firmware updates on hard drives? That's not very often. No, right. Um, and like it can do stuff like that because it's actually cloud connected, not this thing alone. Yeah, this diagram the, here kind of tries to, to yeah, describe the, it. So the software can actually call back, and the guys that make this maintain a, a service that this can call back to, and it, it gives it information like, hey, here's the type of drive I have, the manufacturer, the model number, whatever, and it can actually do like a lookup in a, in a big database that they handle. Yep, and it can. The, the the main reason for that is just to get optimal settings for trying to read through bad sectors as quickly as possible for that specific model. Because, that's again, that's knobs and switches you would turn on professional gear. Okay. But since these guys make that gear, they know all the good numbers. Right. Right? So now it's just cloud-based, and you can just get the optimal settings. And it does actually make a difference. It, it, it For the drives I was testing it on, it was doubling the speed that it went through bad sectors. Which is important on a, for a drive that's, that may be on its way out completely. Yeah, because if you yeah. try to read a bad sector from a drive normally, it's a, if it's a consu- consumer drive without TLER, mm-hmm. like, it'll just time out. It's like 20 or 30 seconds for every bad sector. This yeah. thing, it, the default settings, it was like two or three seconds 
And then with the rapid nebula stuff, once it got the optimal settings for a drive, it was down to like one or two seconds, right. every bad sector. And, you know, just it's just really intelligent about the way it goes about doing it and trying to like get it's, you to your stuff. It's a pretty right? cool device. Josh, is this something you would see your uh, like company wanting to invest in for for that kind of money? <sighs> yeah, no, <laughs> mainly because, uh, you know, it's it's inexpensive for such a thing. But at the same time, our company, we have a lot of cloud and server based stuff that it has oh, okay. you know multiple levels of uh, redundancy. So if somebody loses their hard drive. Yeah, it's all you, all you have it all elsewhere anyway. OK, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's actually a smarter way to do it is to, yeah. you know. Does this have uh, 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 who was it in the chat asked me if it has a uh, Ryan Deathwish Raid Zero recovery mode? Uh, Ryan Deathwish Raid Zero. Okay. If, yeah. if, um, if I have a Raid Zero array that dies, does this have any ability to help you with that? If it died because one drive died and the whole array went down, you could clone that drive to another one with this, put the other drive in the array in the old drive's place, and it should work. It provided this got enough data back off of it. Right. So okay. the, the, the main reason that a drive will drop out of an array, and I've a- actually had array, raids of mine, and actually your failed raid, it didn't die because the whole drive failed. It died because one drive had a few bad sectors on it, and mm-hmm. it timed out. Right. And the raid just couldn't keep going. And then it tried to rebuild, timed out again. Like, it just wouldn't... It got stuck in a loop, right? Um, if you can clone that whole thing over to another drive, even if you can't get all of it, maybe a few sectors are bad and just unreadable... Mm-hmm. As long as it's on a good drive that doesn't time out anymore, your raid will come back. Okay. Right? So that's, yeah, I mean, it could do it. Um, and uh, it do, you don't even need, uh, you would use the software initially only to load the optimal settings from their cloud-based service. But then once it's done that, it sends it to the unit and you can actually unplug the laptop or the desktop from this and just right. let it sit there on its own with the source and the destination drive. And you just hit start on the clone operation and it just goes front to back. And it just makes the copy. And I've done six terabytes in like overnight with this, like less than 12 hours. I think I've managed to do like six terabyte image. So of a drive that was not of a drive that was questionable. Right. Yeah. That was like there were spots that were, you know, it had a hard time with. Right. And and would have gone like that could have been weeks or more than months. Like I've had drives that I tried to image with software tools that had bad sectors on them. You ever accidentally hit the wipe drive button? That's for the target. Oh, okay. Not okay. Not the sort. There is no wipe source drive button. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. I can appreciate um, that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I had back in the day, I had a 400 gig drive that I let go a week, and it only read one percent of the disk. That seems like it might take some time. Then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So having something like this would have been very nice back then. I would have probably got the Pretty whole drive. Cool. Yeah. So that's the rapid spar data recovery. Like I said, it's data recovery instrument. It's not a device that we would that we're telling, hey, if you have a bad hard drive, go buy this. This is more of a hey, if you run a business where you are constantly re- trying yeah. to recover people's hard drives, this might be a useful tool for you. Yep, right? and it's, and it's not going to a small computers repair shop or uh, a larger mid to large size IT department or whatever. Yep, and it's not going to work miracles if a drive has like a failed head. Yeah, but it but it is able to tell you when you this, do this device won't deconstruct your hard drive, move the platters to a new location. No, it won't do it. Won't and, do that. Oh, it's okay. not that handy. Um, Damn it! You know, maybe that's another attachment in another case that comes Damn with it. or something. But uh, you know, it'll tell you. It'll evaluate the the health of all of the heads when it does its initial diagnostics. 
Hmm. And it'll actually tell you head health with percentages for all the heads. So if there is one head bad, it'll be very yeah, obvious in those like results. Yeah. No, it's the, these guys, it's the same piece of their software from their professional tool. Right. That, oh, okay. that makes that evaluation. Yeah. Right. So it's if something if this thing tells you a head's failed, you pretty much immediately know, okay, time to call up Drive Savers or one of those companies. You know, if you really need that data, because right. if one head's bad, you're basically going to have just Swiss cheese holes in every file that you try to read, unless it's really tiny and you got really lucky. Yeah. Not only that, but you're probably going to have some centered magnetic rust in the bottom of your drive. Yeah, just little, just little across. flakes. Just little yeah. flakes. Um, I can't see how that would hurt anything. No. Your data is perfectly safe in those flakes. Actually, this, collected at the bottom of the drive. This may surprise you, but one of the drives that I was trying to read with that did have a bad head, and it was only that section, like only that head was. Even though you know there's stuff floating around in there, because a bad head where it where it can't read anything, typically the head is just scraping. It's making contact with the platter. Yeah, it, it's just like usually yeah. you know, and it's a and it's a very thin layer of metal that's that's on a glass that's like um. They call it sputtering, but it's like just a super thin layer of metal yeah. that holds the, mag- the magnetism and everything, like the actual bits. Um, it doesn't take much to rub that off, and that the stuff <clears throat> just it turns to powder, and it just goes everywhere. And then all your data... <laughs> Only if you're not hydrated. <laughs> God. Uh, before we move on to our news items uh, this week, we've got a couple more Patreon additions here. Cyclops edited their pledge from fifty dollars and ninety nine cents to fifty one ninety eight, a ninety nine cent upgrade just for Josh, I imagine. Maybe uh, Zach yeah. Attack edited their pledge from six sixty six. He turned it upside down to nine ninety nine. Hey, hey, hey! That is him. Nine ninety nine. That's 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 okay, a Josh. appropriate. Okay, uh, and then uh, this one is. I just want to touch your nice chin and say, yeah. <laughs> Who's chin? I don't know. And uh, they pledged nine ninety nine, so they they can come touch my chin once, I guess, if they really want to. I'll be at Dallas uh, next weekend. <laughs> Somebody at QuakeCon is just going to walk up to you. <laughs> I'm just going to take his thumb, and he's just going to say, yeah. I would request that they tell me they're going to do it before they do it. <laughs> hey, Ryan, I'm that guy. Just uh, don't touch it with a fist. <laughs> yeah, well, so it would please, be very nice. Please, please don't, please don't. Uh, all right, we got some interesting news items here to get through. Uh, first one is uh, Nvidia announced a partnership with uh, SMI, which is an eye tracking company. Did we talk about that last week? No, because this was July twenty first. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe we did it on Twitch. Oh, I did it on Twitch with you. Yeah, I was here. Yep. Yeah. Um, so this is. Basically, what we all knew was kind of coming uh, to VR, which is where they have a camera inside your VR headset and they do uh, uh, eye tracking to do foveated rendering um, with the uh, with the headset. Right? What so the heck does foveated mean? Foveated is <laughs> the ability for actually leave it on here, but we'll sh- it'll show this video. Uh, and I'm not going to make a full screen because otherwise they'll take my video down later. Yeah. Um, the idea is that uh, that's a standard view where everything is in focus. Everything has – every pixel is being rendered uh, with the same amount of uh, uh, clarity, detail. clarity yeah. and detail. And the same amount of could, processing happens to each pixel. Because you could look anywhere in that scene Now, with your here eyes. Yeah. is an example of foveated rendering where 
the red box, it's maybe a little bit hard to see in the middle, is where your eye is looking. And wherever your eye looks is very sharp. And everything in your periphery is Yeah, because there's only like red. some like five or six degrees of true focus in your eye because of, of the way the fovea works and, and the lens in your eye. And everything outside of that is, is pretty blurred. I mean, you can kind of notice that. But yeah, if you want to focus on something, you want something clear, then you'll focus on it. So they can they can improve performance by having a lower amount of rendering outside that fovea. Right. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a nice little optimization that should not affect your overall experience because your eyes just now, won't if you have look, the same focus. If you look yeah. at this first one, you'll notice that it's pretty it's uh, like, like jagged. Uh, it sparkles it. as you so, move. So they have some yeah. they have some fixes to it. This is what they call contemporary foveated rendering. Uh, the the next one they show is uh, temporarily stable foveated rendering, right? So they're basically smoothing the peripheral. They're yep. blurring it a little bit, eliminating a flicker in the periphery, yep. but it does create what they call tunnel vision effect, which is interesting. You have to yep. kind of see it in. VR for for you to notice it, and then they're uh, doing other things to like they increase the contrast. Yeah, they the, they increase the contrast on in the periphery so that your peripheral vision does more peripheral it's, stuff. It's it's more natural <laughs> to what would be happening in the in the real world in terms yeah. of what your eye is perceiving. So, so the whole idea here is that you can get it potentially you would just have much more uh, detailed games and 3D worlds because you have the yeah. performance headroom now to like I only have to focus on what did you say your degree was like a, 6 degrees or something Josh It's just like a few degrees of an angle yeah, of an it's, arc it's, yeah it's not very many if that's I mean, where you can put degrees of view where yeah. you can put all of your processing power or 80% or 60% of your processing power into this area yeah. and then everything out of it, it just kind of gets you know just it's enough so it doesn't screw it up. you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you know, uh, it has to be done in a way that it's fast, yeah. Right, so that when your eye, you don't. It's not. It's not like playing Rage on day one, where when you look over here, you have to wait a <laughs> second for the and textures, a half for the to, textures load. to load in. <laughs> you look over there, and it's still blurry, and right? Still like, and you're gonna wait. Gonna... Yeah, that, that that would be a poor way to do it. Um, but I would in, imagine that they can do it within a frame. That they can compensate uh, yeah. for. You know, if they do the same thing, because they're able to compensate for head motion within a frame, right before the end. You know, right before it gets uh, right. So. You know, I mean, well, I don't know. I don't think spe- somebody's asking, do they have to emulate your blind spot? I would say no. Like, your blind spot is just your blind no, 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 spot. Like, that's, you don't have that's to emulate past periphery. Well, no. No, it's right in the no, middle no. of your blind it's, spot. It's, right here, it's yeah. lower yeah. part of your fovea. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. That's, that's your periphery. Your blind your spot. blind spot. Believe it is, or not, is, is, it's where your optic it, nerve is going down the center. It's like, yeah. it's just off to the side of the center. You have to you look at a special image to fit. Your brain is going to compensate. You can't do it, it with your hand. I got it. I got it. I don't have one. I'm a <laughs> no, you, you essentially, how they test that is they have a point of light. You have to stare at a black dot, and you see where that point of light disappears, and they can tell where your blind, blind spot gotcha. is. And mine is yeah. like uh, bottom. Oh, that's right. I know. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know like, biology. It, it's where the cones and rods cannot be because the, the nerve comes Yeah, because the, the nerve is sticking yeah. out the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but future humans will fix that. But you don't need to. You don't need to compensate for that because it's not like your eyes are only looking at one place. Yeah, they're they're moving around. Your eyes are able to tra- yeah. look around, so it's you know you don't need to do that. You could potentially save some rendering 
just don't render where the blind spot is. So like, <laughs> but just I would imagine compared to when your eye moves, but like anatomy, yeah, but everybody's gotta, might be they slightly figure different out individually it, yeah. where your blind spot is because yeah. it's different. And it's everywhere. and it's a relatively very small spot. You know what I mean? Like the whole scene around your periphery—that's a lot of savings. Yeah. Like your blind yeah. spot's just this little, you know, relatively small dot. Anyway. Uh, and let's see other Nvidia news. There's a lot of Nvidia and AMD news this week. Nvidia announced a Titan X. You guys ever heard of this card? Uh, that, that that was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. All right. Moving on to the next story. Oh. Uh, no. Look. Are here, we, here. Look. Are we Jensen. Calling, are we Jensen doesn't Titan, show uh, up. We're calling it the Titan XP. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, Jensen doesn't show up in his leather jacket for just for nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> He went to a. But he does show up in his leather jacket for everything. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. Where is this? This is at an AI meetup in Stanford. Okay. So he I just br- want to know the temperature of, of, uh, of the outside. Not cool would be my guess. Not cold. Uh, okay. It is summer. It's kinda. summer, and yeah, and that's in California, Northern California, but still California. Oh. Stanford's not like in downtown San Francisco where it's 65 degrees all the time. It's, yeah. it's warm. Um, so this is, I don't they announced a new Titan X based on Pascal. And why they decided to call it Titan X still... I mean, they didn't even call it, like, the new Titan X? Uh, the all-new. I think they kind of did, but I don't know. It's, okay. it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's Titan X Pascal. It's based on GP102, a brand new GPU. All right. No, it's not Have a GP104. Have not seen it yet. It has 3,584 CUDA cores, uh, okay. which is... Uh, a thousand more than a GTX 1080. Okay, so it's about thirty, no, about forty percent more CUDA cores than a GTX 1080. Right, but that's not the whole performance. Story, it runs right? at a slightly lower clock speed. Uh, its base clock is fourteen seventeen instead of sixteen oh seven. Uh, Two hundred twenty four texture units, ninety six ROPS, twelve gigs of memory. It does run GDDR five X, not HBM two. Right. So remember P one hundred, which was part of which was based on gp100 yeah was a uh was it more or less cuda cores it was about oh, the same far more no it wasn't that many more was well, wasn't it, it uh, almost a 600 millimeter square yeah but that's part? because it had uh double precision cores oh, built into it yeah uh, i want to say it was about the same cuda cores i, I can't remember if it was 30 i think it might have been 36 okay. something uh, at that point but it used HBM2 and it had full double precision or higher double precision performance, right? This is using GDDR5X, it's a 384-bit memory bus, yeah, right? So it's still 50% better than what we have on GTX 1080. Okay. Um, rated at 480 gigabytes per second, which is almost as high as the R9 Fury X that had HBM1. That was rated at 512 gigabytes per second. So it sounds like they just didn't need to go to it yet. Well, there's there's a cost issue, I'm sure, yeah. for it, right? Um, 250 watts. Yeah, because HBM2 is just not available in large amounts of yeah. one. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so 250 watts, uh, an 8-pin and a 6-pin, 11 teraflops of rated single-precision compute performance. Watts. What was the TP on 1080? Uh, 180, so it's 70 watts more. Huh. So the drop in clock speed is not necessarily due to TDP. Uh, that's 250. Or maybe it's some of it. It's, it's probably some of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see if and when we get a card. Uh, it is going to be $1,200. It will only be sold through NVIDIA.com. Oh. This is not a partner card or anything like that. Uh, it's supposed to be available on August 3rd, I think. Like next week sometime. Um, 
And it looks like that. It looks like a Titan X. Uh, it looks like a – let me rephrase that. It looks like a Pascal graphics card in terms of the cooler design, but it's yeah. kind of that all-black finish. It's got that same window and yeah. the you know, August angular stuff. August 2nd is when it goes on sale. Huh. Um, the $1,200 price tag is really high. Yeah. It's not really a gaming card. I mean, it's like twice the cost of a 1080. Well – Kinda right. So five ninety nine is what it's supposed to be at. We've never seen any at five ninety nine. Six ninety nine is where they're really at. Yeah. Um, and so you're talking about five hundred bucks above that that price point. Yeah. Um, again, it will probably be hard to find. But I, I do assume then that it will be twelve hundred dollars. It's only being sold through Nvidia.com. They're not going to like jack up their own right. MSRP. It should be that number. Yeah. Now the question is, do we recommend you buy this? Probably not. No, um, I wouldn't say so. Does it mean that there's a GTX 1080 Ti coming sometime soon. I mean, history... History would say yes. Josh, you think there will be a 1080 Ti? Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, here's my question. What is it priced at? Well... $9.99. <laughs> right? Like, there's not a huge window there for a part yeah, that doesn't that seem as stupid like as expensive as a Titan X. I mean, okay, Pascal. so at, and remember the Titan X when it launched before as a Maxwell part was 999. Yeah. So the the people who complain about increasing GPU prices uh, have it, a legitimate it is, it, it, concern. It is increasing then. Right? Um I'm but, sorry, I guess I don't I don't know so what else with, to say. So with the 1080 at the price it's at going from that to a grand Seems kind of to make sense per, for the performance gain you would probably get. Well, right? it depends. Like the t- the Titan X, like the Titan to t- to to eighty Ti classification is is interesting, right? Like remember the Titan, uh, the previous Titan X was twelve gigs, and, but then uh, the the nine eighty Ti was six gigs. Yep, but everything else is pretty much the same, right? But the ten eighty already has eight gigs, so the ten eighty Ti can't have eight gigs. Probably, why couldn't it? Because it has a 384-bit memory bus. Oh, so it has to be. So it's kind of. So they wouldn't want to drop it down to six. It would have to I be I would think 12. it would still be 12 gigs again. Yeah, I think it's okay. 12. So they, how do they justify the price difference? So they just cut. Do they cut CUDA core count uh, and maybe raise clock speed some? Like, there's no double precision performance difference like in the original that's true, Titan. That's true. That you that you could point to and say, well, this is also a compute card, right? <laughs> if you've got the same size memory buffer. You, you've got to find some balance of performance and cost, right? So it sounds to me like they'd have to keep clock speeds the same and cut CUDA cores down to get it 25% maybe, faster than a 1080. Maybe the TI comes out with no Founders Edition and the Titan X is the Founders Edition of the 1080 TI. That's an option, actually. I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Because I'm running out, so of, I'm running out of differentiators. Maybe, yeah. Biohazard says maybe there's no 1080 TI. And that's an option. I guess. Maybe, maybe if my guess is if they believe that they could sell every GP one hundred and two chip for twelve hundred bucks, yeah, they will absolutely just sell every GP one hundred and two GPU they can make for twelve hundred bucks. I just feel like they would end up like at a surplus with only selling those through their site, not doing any partner cards. I don't know. I don't know. You know. I don't, it depends. I don't know how many GP one hundred twos they they've ordered. How many they planned to make? You know. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. How many other prior cards were only through their site? Were there any? The Titan Z. <laughs> okay, so that was definitely an oddball, like $3,000. Yeah, the dual GPU card know. that they had that was not successful. Yeah. So this um, one being only through their site for a more moderately priced card is kind of unique for them, which kind of 
makes yeah. me, that makes me lean towards I, that my idea. My guess is of, that the month of August will determine what they do with the rest of the rest yeah. of the parts because they can always throw different heat sinks on something and and sell it to EVGA or whatever. So. Sure. Um, moving on again, uh, Nintendo NX could be using Nvidia Tegra. Sebastian, what's your uh, your take on this here? This was a rumor that I first heard about, I think, in May, and it made sense to me because from everything we've heard about the NX, even though some of those early rumors were debunked as far as that all-touch screen, like a small controller-style unit, like a handheld, there still is a belief that it will be a sort of a hybrid of a handheld and either will be docking, whether wirelessly or with a physical dock or HDMI connection to your TV, with detachable controllers that you can use. So something that needs to be like grab and go, but still provide like console level graphics. If you look across the landscape of mobile GPUs, yes, there are parts out there like the Adreno graphics in like the Snapdragon 820 that are impressive that can actually do pretty good frame rate at 1080p, but nothing really touches the Tegra when it comes to just raw GPU horsepower in mobile that I've seen anyway in any benchmarks. So if, if they have... And, and Nintendo doesn't seem to be especially concerned if you look at the past with amazing battery life. When the Nintendo 3DS came out, it lasted about three and a half hours, I think, on a charge. Yeah, that was kind of my, my one question about the mobile side of it. Well, look at the Wii U. The Wii U launched with a big wireless controller with a... True resistive touchscreen in it that lasted what a couple of hours on a charge yeah yeah. people basically had to be near an outlet and plug in their control pad to be able to use it for long periods of time so they they never really have been aggressive about low power i haven't seen you know not since the the game boy pocket sure i agree or the advance but so it makes sense just from the hardware standpoint now is this going to be some new unreleased product because the the article that Scott posted says that they're using Tegra X1, I think, well, as their they, platform. They, uh, they haven't. So Tegra X1 is an option, but they're, if you look at the hot chips guides, NVIDIA is apparently going to announce a new Tegra processor uh, early August, which could still be based on the same architecture or actually could be Pascal-based. We don't know yet. Um, you would... You would I, I, if it's not the same architecture, I can't imagine Nintendo using it because this thing has been in development for a long time and they have delayed it and basically like the beginning of next year is when they promise retail availability of this new console. Yeah. So if they're shooting for January, how are they going to be on a new architecture starting in August? Unless they obviously have received, you know, advanced Sure hardware and they have their own development platform we don't know about and they're working with nvidia on this so it's, it's interesting like what if nintendo actually launches with a brand new let's see what yeah Scott's- scott says that it, dev kits are apparently based on the tegra x1 um but they could be upgraded after the fact and and, and you could you could see that being like if it's the exact same architecture, it's just better performance uh, on the new SOC. You know, like only thing that changes is your is your 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 GPU perf. Then all of your developers will have had the ability to write games that will run at least as well as they had targeted um, for for initial launch. In theory, 
Yeah. I just I, think it was interesting to hear this because there was a lot of speculation that AMD had won this. And AMD yeah. has been in, I think, the last three uh, consecutive Nintendo uh, consoles. Right. The GameCube, the Wii, and the Wii U. Yep. But if it's Tegra, that just tells me that this will be more mobile-focused than it was going to be console-focused. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm excited to, to see what this ends up being. Hopefully they announce it sooner rather than later. So, um, a, a quick look, if you're interested, of the enormous EVGA uh, DG87 case. It can be found <laughs> way, at PC Brian, Production. how dare you <laughs> do this without me? This hey. is, it says preview in the name. This is my territory. And, yeah, I, and I say in the video, yep. uh, well, I just got to get Sebastian's ass down to uh, Florence because I think it would be cheaper for me to pay for him gas to drive to Kentucky to review and, and then for me to ship, it, ship yeah. it to you. So yeah. let me ask you this. Okay. Was was Jacob's corpse stuffed <laughs> in the case and shipped to you? You could fit at least two Jacobs inside this case. I mean, he's a skinny guy. You might have to cut him up. But yeah. I mean, look at this video. This is this is the case. <laughs> look at how big next to me. That looks like my own my old Sony Wega TV. Yep, it does. I and probably several weighs about as much. Uh, it, it absolutely does look like that. You could totally put a screen on that and just make that the dang PC. <laughs> you could. That's actually a good, that'd be a good mod. You put an LCD idea, yeah. on the yeah. front there. Now, or three, because there's enough room. It, it, it blocks. It. it it defeats the purpose of having a big window so you could see your system. True. Right. Um, it's it's actually a really well designed. Ooh, look at that! It's really well designed case uh, in terms of it just being enormous and having a lot of room for other things, uh, like how they. Yeah, mount some the say that Jimmy Hoffa is actually water cooling. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that's one of the nicest looking rear like table yeah. management areas I've ever seen. Oh. Oh, I thought you were talking about me for a second. No, my, no, no. My ass is in that shot, so yeah. I didn't know if maybe that's what it was. Look at those forearms. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at the freckled skin. <laughs> um, Creamy. So it has, it has, this model has uh, a dedicated uh, fan controller and temperature monitor on the bottom portion of the case. It has um, like all this... Like it's it's interesting because like the case is meant to be viewed in the way I'm presenting it here. It's yeah. meant to sit on a desk like that. Yeah, it's meant to be so looking that you at it from see the side all on. the components. Aren't there mount it? points on the back for like hanging it? I thought no, no, no. <laughs> fifty-one pound case empty. Oh well, you need to say don't hang. No, they, they the provide wall. a pulley so you could actually <laughs> uh, use a chain to to lift it up along your wall mm-hmm. and stay there. All so. Right. That'll so work. we're, we're going to have Sebastian do a full review of this very soon, I assure you. Uh, so we'll just move on from that. And if you're interested in the preview, I would suggest you check it out. Uh, and I don't know why these were out of order, but uh, one more NVIDIA news item here. If uh, Josh, anybody, did anybody know what a DPC latency was? Uh, not that I can mention here. DPC. Does it have to, yeah, do, with, like, DPC. Does that have to do with like arbitrating for the bus or something? I'm down Correct. with DPC. Okay, so, so PCI bus arbitration stuff. Apparently there was a driver issue where uh, moving from Maxwell to Pascal, they saw DPC latencies go from about 20 microseconds to three or 400 microseconds. Is that can add And up. it was apparently causing stutter for some people on like watching videos on browsers, right? Like yeah. uh, static or skipping or whatever you want to call it yep, yep. In, in these videos. And apparently under load, it could increase to a thousand microseconds or more. That's a millisecond. Where, uh, <laughs> by the way, S- Scott mentions here, 8,333 8, microseconds is one whole frame at 120 frames per second. Yeah. 
So, but realize that like multiple of these events could happen within like yes. a frame. So they could add up and to the point where you notice it. Yeah. So uh, I got alerted to this. Somebody sent me an email and said, hey, there's this forum thread in GeForce forums. I want you to check it out and see what you're saying. And like I said, I didn't know what this was. There are apparently utilities that you can run that will just measure DPC latency um, with background utilities going on. Which I didn't know existed. I didn't know existed either. That's cool. Um, and they were showing here it is with Maxwell. Here it is with Pascal. Here's like five, five 1080s all running this in different okay. systems with the same thing. And I, you know, I sent over to NVIDIA. And I was like, hey... What's, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, what is this uh, stuff? And they're like, well, let me think on that. And uh, 48 hours later, we had a hotfix driver <laughs> that said, oh, look, here you go. So apparently they went, oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sure somebody was already looking at it. But as soon as somebody in the media goes, hey, I, I'm writing a story on this. Um, what's your comment? They go, uh, give me 24 yeah, hours. Give me, give me a- somehow in 24 hours, they have a driver. Yeah, that that fixes said issue. So, which believe it or um, not, is a good motivation for us to do those things. Uh, like, if it's something that needs to be fixed, then you know. So uh, Scott says that post hotfix driver spikes are reaching 570 microseconds, mostly when he plays music on Spotify through the Blue Yeti Pro. Um, so it's just you have different other PCI devices, or I mean, technically that's USB, but. It's USB over it's PCI to get there. The, it's controllers the, like on the, PCI, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, just the more stuff you have in the system yep. fighting for throughput, like, then the latencies will go up for other devices, yep. right? So, but yeah, if there's a driver bug, it could it could do that. Uh, so, uh, check that out if you have noticed any of these types of issues with your Pascal graphics card. Um, and another, again, I don't know why the EVGA thing, why I didn't move the EVGA thing out of the middle of this block of NVIDIA crap. Okay. Uh, Pascal Quadro GPUs, not a whole lot uh, to talk about here. Quadro P5000 and P6000. Um, the, uh, the P6000 also uses that GP102 GPU. 102. 102, the same one in the new Titan X. Okay. As it would make sense. It has 3,840 CUDA cores, so it actually has more CUDA cores than the Titan X. So, wow. okay, that answers my question. The full enabled... Um, so they scaled back Titan X this time. Yeah. Yep. Whereas last time... Do you not listen to Scott? Uh, I don't. Scott apparently. has his stuff nailed down. That's you right. just ignore him, uh, don't we you? Should probably, He's we, some curly-haired Canadian yeah, we should bathing himself in maple syrup, and uh, you just wow. ignore him. This does have 24 gigs of memory instead of 12, so oh. there, is, there is a difference there. Okay. Um so that's 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 where we're at there, and the P five thousand is essentially identical to the GTX ten eighty. So okay, quadro versions of those cards. You know what you're getting out of that, and we'll move on to the next next little bit here. Uh, it is SIGGRAPH, so we're getting professional graphics releases here. This is an interesting story, and this is an interesting product that I did not expect. This is the Radeon Pro SSG, and it's blue. That's the wrong color. What? This is an Intel video card now. No, no, no. no. That is oh. that is the same shade of blue that was a recently created shade of blue that had never been seen before. Well, Intel's blue is lighter. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Wait, yeah. what are we talking about? But recently yeah, created just color. for what? Only this, right? So here's what this graphics card is. It is a, as it turns out, a Fiji GPU. Okay. Uh... I don't know of what capacity necessarily, but it is using a uh, uh, a uh, PCI Express bridge, the 8747 bridge chip. And on board, it has two PCIe M.2 by 4 
SSDs to ac- uh, accommodate up to one terabyte of NAND flash storage. But it's doing so it through, let me, it's let me through ask a fridge. This. No, and no, I mean, does XDMA, can you adjust it to be able to access storage like this? XDMA. I don't know. What do you mean? Okay, it's so you've like got through, memory through, controllers, through right? Windows or and so an M.2 is essentially a controller. Yeah. On PCIe. Well, it, you've got two yeah. graphics chips or one graphics chip. Yep. How is the memory controller or I/O going to access that as compared to just having PCIe that can access the frame buffer of another card or main memory? Okay. I think How I know do you worries. change that around to be able to access M.2 SSD? It's, uh, the so, important question to ask is, is that M.2 SSD visible to Windows? I would guess not. Okay. No. Okay. Right. It's from the 8K video uh, editing demo, the dual Samsung 950 Pro uh, PCI SSDs in RAID 0, mind you, on board the Radeon Pro SSG card hit 4 gigabytes per second while scrubbing through video. That same video source stored on a Samsung 950 Pro attached to the motherboard had throughput of 900 megabytes. But you're saying the source is stored on it and they're scrubbing through it, so the SSDs would have to be visible to the OS. No. The no, same video source stored on the... the VBIOS and to the driver of the GPU. Hold on. Where's the videos? So they're talking about... In the first example, they say it's on board the Radeon Pro SSG and it hit 4 gigabytes per second. The same video source stored on the drive attached to the motherboard did 900 megabytes per second. Oh. Right. So they're not saying that it's they're okay. both, they're both, uh, so it is – okay. So it's uh, – well, that means that they would have had to have somehow added in the firmware for it to be able to do NVMe, issue NVMe commands directly to the, the SSDs. Yeah, but that's got to be the GPU that's controlling what I'm saying. that stuff. Yeah, if yeah, it's the, not the GPU controlling that stuff, I don't see what the benefit is. Right, and no, what I'm saying is, like, it, if the host because system it, doesn't it, see it... Because it used that one terabyte as a local frame buffer yeah. that it's doing stuff to. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still GPU memory on the card. Right, but I'm just saying... And it I'm, still has to copy it back and forth yeah, yeah, yeah. between but, the SSD and the GPU memory. Right, but what I'm saying is that those are NVMe SSDs. Yes. So they will have added, have to have added that logic to be able to to communicate. Yeah, yeah because even though NVMe if you stuff. put okay, if you yeah. put those those SSDs on the card, but you did not have the logic on the GPU to access it. So when the GPU has to access something, it has to go out to the CPU to the main memory and back, and then access those SSDs on there. It doesn't matter because it's all PCIe. Right, but that would correct? be slower. Yeah, and so you've got multiple jumps, but obviously the GPUs are just accessing these directly. things directly. They have to be accessing them directly. They've yeah. got to. Otherwise, it's just the latency kind of blows it up for what the testing that, that they're doing. I mean, not like PCIe is low, you know, high latency, but sure. where are they getting this extra performance from? There's a line Tim added uh, after the fact that says, on the prototype Radeon Pro SSG, the M.2 slots are actually able to be seen as drives by the system and OS. So it is essentially acting as if there was a PCIe adapter card and a slot on the motherboard holding, the, holding those drives. But that may not be the case should this product actually, when this product actually hits the market. So 
if the demo was doing it that way, then the performance difference they saw doesn't make sense. I would agree. Four gigs per second versus 900 doesn't make sense. Yeah. And again, I don't know exactly. They're talking about... um, because uh, if they were only visible through, the, it had four gigabytes per second while scrubbing through the video. So I don't know sure. what metric that is. Like what is actually measuring? Yeah. And that. they compared it to, I guess, a single of them on the system on a motherboard. Yeah. Because the thing is, if they had two together, okay. So if you had a pair of M.2 SSDs mm-hmm. visible to the system mm-hmm. as slave drives, yep. Right. You could raid. How would you put them together? Because you're going to raid them. Zero. I don't mean the method. Oh. You're going to do it with Windows RAID. Yeah, because there's no hardware chip that's going to be there's doing no, you RAID. You can't do oh, Z170 oh, oh, RAID. Okay, yeah, you, yeah. So you're going to tie them together with Windows RAID. I hate to say it, that gives you a caching advantage because Windows RAID like th- throws a lot of RAM into the mix mm-hmm. on how it's like dealing okay. with its reads. So like it's not the best for for random writes and stuff like that. Windows RAID kind of falls on its butt. Mm. But like for sequential reads or scrubbing like large random reads, right. which are going to look like sequential, it's going to go my, fast. My so. question is, I guess, and I need to find somebody at AMD to ask this. In its current form, is there any difference from this being on the graphics card versus being on the motherboard other than you you go to a purchasing agent at your company and say I want to buy the Radeon Pro SSG and it just shows up and then as, you, get you the plug it in and everything's ready to go yeah right because you couldn't boot from that I don't think Fiji has an NVMe SSD controller built into it I don't think it does either I don't think it does and I think it could I think I think a future GPU yeah. could yeah right but I don't and, think that one does and, and I really and don't I, see I the don't. motivation to push that hard for it if they're already getting. You know, well, look how much faster it is if you do that. But yeah, I, I'd say and if that's you, just that, that could just be a marketing. Hey, we're trying to build some excitement it, about it. But it, it shouldn't be any different than if you got a. Di- okay, if 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 you tear this card apart and you find one of those chips that that takes a you know sixteen by uh, PCIe three connection yep. and then puts that's it what they're into, doing. Two different sixteen by that that we've seen. Uh, what is the the, the I can't remember yeah. that. Josh, there's there's chips that will it, PLX. What yes. it's what it's doing is it's it's a sixteen by on the slot side. They're going yeah. eight lanes to the GPU, and then they're splitting up the other four and four to the other two SSDs. Mm-hmm. Like that's it just that's a typical layout for one of those kind of multi or PLX chips, which is what's but on there. How right? does it explain the the more far more than doubling? the performance in I, that in that operation i was just explaining that because it, if in that prototype unit it was visible to the os they were yeah. just using windows raid okay which does give you some boost now amd claims some boost. amd claims it can access local memory over the m.2 interface at a much lower at much lower latencies than it can pull data from the pci express bus now that wouldn't be talking about the prototype unit. God, I hate this website. Right? Yeah, but that's the okay. The, essentially, what is XDMA? Direct memory access. Sure, but if it's NVMe, yeah. you still need the like. You know what? If you have, if you can, if you can hard code it, you may not need NVMe. Uh, I mean, think about the the software overhead and the things that you can do if you have an XDMA type chip that you can kind of expand I get, 
to. I get where you're coming from. I know it's, from. it's, it's a jump and, and no, I, no, I, 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 get, I don't know enough get technical where stuff to, to tell you this, but I, I get where you come from. But if they said they're using 950 pros, like they just said that that's what they're using. There's two 950 okay. pros on that oh thing. You can't, there is no direct websites. jump over the, <laughs> there is no jump over the Sorry. NVMe thing for those. If you're talking to them over PCI, which is the only way to connect them, it has to be NVMe command set. Like that's the only way you can okay. speak to 950 pros. Maybe some other future thing with, you know, proprietary SSDs on it or something. But right now it has to be NVMe. And also right now I know of no way that an NVMe device will just share with something else. Like you have your, you know, main system that it negotiated with that has a driver installed. That's the thing it's talking to. I know of no just like, oh, and also I'm going to talk to this GPU in parallel, right? Because if they're visible to the OS and the GPU tried to sideload some textures to it or something, like there's just not a mechanism in place on the SSD side. okay, the Anantec story has some interesting data, right? So uh, they talked to Raja. uh, It is architecturally the prototype is essentially a PCIe SSD adapter and a video card on a single board with no special connectivity in use beyond what the bridge chip provides. Okay. Uh, the huh. SSDs okay. themselves are a pair of 512 gig 950 pros. Um, the OS actually sees the SSD RAID 0 array as well, at least in this prototype design. To, the, yeah. to use the SSDs, applications need to be programmed using AMD's APIs to recognize the existence of the local storage and that it is, quote, special, being on oh. the same board as the GPU itself. Okay. Ultimately, the trick for application developers is directly streaming sources uh, resources from the SSDs, treating it as a level of cache between the DRAM and the system storage. So that would mean that something on the card has to be able to issue the NVMe like read commands from that storage the use to do MDA the... or to do MDMA, like Josh is uh-huh. saying, because that's kind of what it would be doing. Yeah. So without it's faster, going the... it's not as fast as accessing system memory. But it's faster than accessing system storage, even if it's a PCI SSD somewhere else on the system. Because there are less hops. There's there, Yeah, there's less hops. Yeah. The uh, thing is, the well, thing is I mean, though, if the CPU is controlling it like NVMe stuff. That's, that's, that's where I still see a rub, because NVMe yeah. is super low latency, even if you are going the long way. Like, that's the whole idea of NVMe. That's why it was invented. Yeah. To, to you know... It's like the DX12 for SSDs. It's like super low, super low latency, as low as you could possibly get. Right. Okay. So uh, Ryan Smith says here the performance difference between the four gigs and the 900 megs per second. Uh, he points out that the four gigs versus the 900 megs, 900 megs per second, which is slower than what we know the 950 Pro can do in sequential reads. Yeah. Right. Uh, after putting some thought into it, Ryan thinks that the AMD has hit upon the fact that most M.2 slots on motherboards are routed through the system chipset rather than directly to the CPU. You still get higher than 900. 900 is pretty close to 1,000, which would be uh, no, by the max PCI DMA. 2. For, no, for Intel chipsets. Over PCI 2.0? The, the, the I don't DM- think so. Um, it adds other hops of latency, but it means crossing the narrow uh, DMI 3.0. Yeah, link. DMI 3.0 is like yeah. 2 gig per second. So th- this is, I think... I don't know. They're... It's an interesting product, um, but I, I think it needs to go further than this if it's going to be truly revolutionary. Because, like, I don't know, everybody on Twitter this day, like, if you read the semi-accurate stories, talk about how this is this is going to change everything in the world. No. And, it, and if they build a GPU that has an SSD controller on it, then maybe you have that a discussion. Would... Yeah. Right? This is not that. Right. 
This is definitely not that. It's essentially and, one card that you can plug and, in. And there's there's another reason that I really don't think they would go to that level. You want to know why? Uh, it's sure. actually a pretty big one. We have yet to see an NVMe hardware RAID controller. There does not exist one. Well, you could do... I mean, even if you had a single drive NVMe controller... Sure, on, single, right? But you they could wanna, still do it. They want to use two, right? I think they were using two because they needed to see some impressive numbers in this prototype stage uh, i'll give you that but you'd probably it would be a shame to see the actual retail product come out with one when the prototype had yeah, two but if it's right? but if it's actually accessing memory faster i, I guess right but like, if you only have one now you're limited in throughput like you yeah know, but like there's there's devices you can get like hp's making parts that have up to four m.2 they, they come with four like equivalent of 950 pros they're the oem version yeah right but there's four on there but guess what no raid it's like a freaking six thousand dollar thing or something like that that people are buying but the drives show up individually you have to right. raid them in the os right yep. so if if nobody can do this with a pure storage device uh, some GPU maker is not just going to come along and go, oh, we figured out the magic. We can just raid these two uh, but NVMe I don't think SSDs. I would say that they wouldn't. To just individually talk to both just, or something? Or, yeah, they could do that. Especially, yeah, they could definitely do that. Like kind of software raid within the yeah. GPU or something, I guess. Because if they're using their own custom APIs and shit, then... Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting design, and it was something totally kind of out of left field uh, when they had it. It, so it is definitely was, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AMD also announced the Pro WX series. This is much less interesting. These are Polaris 10 and Polaris 11 based GPUs. They're single um, slot. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. If the, you're trying to fit a bunch in the system. The WX500. Right? Yeah, you're right. The WX7100 is based on Polaris 10. Uh, so and importantly, the they're also blue. Just and they're blue. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. What are, they, are they going for like being them. able to have just a crap load of these in a system and going out to a bunch of displays? Is that kind of what kind they're... of yeah? I mean, they're workstation GPUs, but they're just low power GPUs. Okay, um, you know they're not they're not competing with the the Quadro P five thousand P six thousands we talked about earlier. I really I do like single slot cards. It, what what else is it? What am I right in that, Sebastian? Are these what what kind of stands out about these? Anything really? You get professional level driver support, yeah. or yeah. Just two times the cost of a desktop card with more power. And a single slot. Yeah, and a single slot. Yeah. True. And this this is a half slot card, half height card? The W oh, WX forty one hundred. Is that really? The forty one hundred is, yeah. Yeah. There oh, you yeah. Go. Half like, height, I think half height, half I, length. I think Raja had that in his pocket during the presentation. <laughs> you were watching, wasn't you? could have, actually. You were watching. I know you were. I was looking. Uh, all right, let's see what else we got. Uh, Sapphire's custom Polaris 10 based Nitro Plus RX 480 coming next month. Um, this is eight an eight pin. What? What? Eight pin it connector? Has an eight pin. Oh, yes, an eight pin power connector. Good. You can see it right there. Two fans as well. Um, we're starting to see these AIB 480s show up. I still don't see any stock of RX 480s online. I don't see any stock of GTX 1060s online. Well, and I see plenty of 1070s. They're still none of them start with the they're, three. They're spotty, but they're none of the prices start with three. Yeah, and I do find um, uh, 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 1080s, you know, two or three a day now showing up. So give or take what you're looking for there. Uh, but it's good to see uh, Sapphire. I believe this is what we're going to talk about on Friday when Sapphire comes into town. Um, they're using high-end capacitors, black diamond four chokes, 
twin fan cooler sports quick connect, which lets users easily pull out the fans for cleaning. That's actually kind of cool. Um, RGB LEDs, obviously. Uh, and I'm going to assume in this photo here that these things sticking out the bottom aren't actually part of the card. It's more a visual design for the styling of the picture. Yeah. Because otherwise that wouldn't fit in your motherboard very well. It's the least compatible video card ever designed. <laughs> uh, LEDs, spike sticking the out LEDs are controlled by software or a button on the back of the card to change colors in response to temperatures, fan speed, cycling through all colors, or turned off completely. It's nice that they give you that mm. option. Um, factory overclock that... Polaris 10 GPU up to 1,342 megahertz boost. So that's that's a pretty... Uh, was that about 100 megahertz? Uh, over, I think. Something like that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, com- compared to the reference boost clock of 1266, so 80 megahertz or so. Uh, and it should be a pretty good overclocker. It will reportedly be available as soon as next week in both 4 and 8 gig varieties. 4 gig would be 220. 8 gig would be 269. Um, that's a $20 premium Twenty or thirty dollar premium over the reference design, which would be good but as long as they show bit. up in stock. Yeah, exactly. I'd pay twenty for the probably beefier power delivery. Yeah, that's what we'll, we'll be very curious to test how much different the power delivery looks, balancing the slot from the pins, uh, the slot from the external power connector, and uh, what we get out of that. So and I would, the I would imagine they would like a sustained OC. Yes, yeah. correct. If I would imagine they would weigh it yeah. more with an 8-pin there, I would hope. Yep. Like, kind of makes sense. Yep. Uh, and then one last bit of news here. The Crucial uh, MX300 line gets expanded. Remember, this launched only as a 750-gig drive. Yes. Now, it's a limited edition 750-gig drive, but they've done something better. What did they do here? Uh, well, they added other capacities. Okay. So there's one terabyte. Uh, which like might it. actually be a different oddball number, not just one terabyte even, because based on well, because look at the other two capacities: five hundred twenty-five gig drive and a two hundred seventy-five gig drive. Yeah, what's important is, though? Uh, what's important? Look at the cost per gig. They're still holding twenty-five cents. They're still holding the twenty-five cents per gig. And uh, more significant there is that they're holding that cost all the way down to the lowest capacity, which typically that's the point where the cost per gig goes up because you're paying for the thing too, like the flash. The it's structure, just, the metal, the, yeah, the plastic, yeah. the metal, the PCB, um, the controller. Yeah, so you end up with, like, that's 70 bucks. You can get a 275-gig SSD, which is a weird capacity, I'll grant it you. It is weird. What's uh, the actual capacity? What's the actual flash on the, without uh, the provisioning? Know. Oh, so it's going to be, like, it's going it's to be a non-multiple, it's going to be a non-power of two number of dies, is the thing. Oh, really? Because it's TLC. To, to do those. The 750, yeah. The 750 gig was basically 500 gig, 512 gig worth of MLC flash, but running in TLC mode that right. gave you 750. Yep. But to get one terabyte, you're adding another 50% of that. So if you divide by three and multiply by two? Well, there, so there were, uh, there were, I think, was it eight dies? It was eight know. or 16 dies on the 750. So it's going to go to like, you know, not a multiple of eight. Sure. For those other what, things. What's the performance like of these drives? Are they good? It's, it's pretty good, especially if they're on the empty side, because no. then most of the flash is, ru- is operating in SLC mode. Half right? full. Uh, then, until you get all the way, like, really full, it's, um, it, originally, they weren't acting like this, like the old versions of these. Remember, like, the M600 we reviewed, mm-hmm. where it was kind of like, 
it put as much uh, in SLC mode as it could at the beginning, and then switched to MLC like on right. the fly, and yep. that meant the speed wasn't consistent because you could, too. yeah, you could yeah. you could catch it like trying to re- rearrange yep. uh, what modes the the flash was in. This they kind of changed it up, and it acts more like a regular like an A50 Evo would. It tries to keep like uh, I think it's like twenty or something gig worth of flash in the SLC like available. Right, so if you if you like did a bunch of writing to it, but you let it breathe for a minute, yeah, Ooh, it would it, it would open up, like you know, even though it put stuff there in that SLC, it would rearrange some stuff and try to maybe flip some other TLC areas over to SLC mode and open up some more, so that the next time you wrote to it, it would be fast, right? So it's not as fast as like an 850 Evo. Sure, uh, the latency percentile stuff it didn't look. Anywhere near as good, right. like consistent wise, as like an 850 Evo. But 850 Evos are not, you know, 20 whatever cents a gig. No, the 250 is. gig uh, 850 Evo is $91.66 on Amazon. And this is 70. It's what? Se- and this is 70 for 25 more gig, the other yes. one. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting a little bit more. So the one terabyte here is uh, 313. Versus uh-huh. the rated price of two sixty for the one terabyte on on that drive on yeah. the new drive. So so you know I mean it's it's pretty good. If I'm you're, if you're, it's not it's not ten cents. It's not ten cents a gig, and it's not super performance like the like eight fifty Evos. Anything over a five hundred gig or greater is basically just saturates the bus almost all the time. Yeah, right. This is not that good. But it's it's still good. It's sure. still a good part, especially if you're on a budget and you're trying to squeeze that extra twenty bucks out of something. And you yeah. really want that extra few hundred gig or something. Yeah, it's worth it. Um, you know, I, I think that's I think that's cool. It's going the right direction. Yeah, we need this stuff to go it's that not direction. Fast enough for me, but it is going in the right direction. And this least. is uh, and so. and this is also more capacities that are still the only drive shipping that we know of that uses IMFT, like Intel and Micron 3D NAND. So now there's more capacities. It kind of means they're scaling up their production of it, stuff like that. So eventually it leads to your 10 cents a gig. Yep, we're getting there. All right, let's do our hardware software picks of the week and round this damn show up. Uh, (laughs) Mine is... Hit the button over there. Oh, yeah, the button. That way our editing tomorrow is easier. This is a black box. It says Intel Nook. On it, and it's in particular Nook 6i7KYK pre production engineering sample. KY. Oh, there's a dumb drive in there. Yeah. I kept it all together. This is the Skull Trail Nook, and I haven't tested this yet, and I'm guilty. Whoa. I'm a bad person. But. That does not look like a normal Nook. No, of course not. Oh, it's very You just peeled that off, man. Look Look at how thin that is, though, compared to the previous. It's just thinner. one thin little waffle. Yeah, uh, it's a Alan, Core i7. Think of, the, think of the possibilities for this in a living room. Uh, well, I mean, the same possibilities for the other Nook in the living HDMI, room. HDMI, no, no, no. Thunderbolt, uh, mini display what? port, Hold two on. USB 3, gigabit, uh, Core i7. optical. Oh, that's true, an i7, yeah. Iris um, Pro Graphics. SD card reader on the front. Uh, yeah. And uh, look, change over to my laptop here, and I'll show you. This is what Skull Trail used to look like. <laughs> <laughs> now this is what Skulltrail looks like now. Now uh, clearly this is not the same performance level. Uh, yeah, but if it's an i7, uh, it's, it's probably more. This is a mobile Core 7. Okay. I'm sorry. Mobile Core, core i7, i7, right? So, so lower, lower Core power. i7 6770HQ. It's a 45 watt TDP processor. 
Okay. In here. It's still probably going to have good Iris Pro graphics. Yeah. Right? Uh, Thunderbolt 3, support for up to 32 gigs of memory, uh, support for dual M.2 slots uh-huh. in here. So you could do RAID if you want to do that. Full-size HDMI 2.0 port, so you get uh, uh, 4K60 yeah. out of here. Yeah. Uh, SD card slot, dual-band wireless, 802.11ac, four USB 3.0 ports, uh, gigabit networking, ships with two lids, one with the Skull logo, and one plain matte black. And uh, pricing will be, at least according to this story that we had back in March, I haven't update, we haven't had it updated since, about $600. Okay. So I'm curious to see if uh, it shows up. Okay, it is on Newegg for 636 today. My, uh, my home, like, home theater awesome. PC system that I'm using, it's, it's so sweet. Because it's also connected to my array, like, it's not even in my living room, it's in my basement. Yeah. You know, yeah, because it's, it's like ninety pounds in the case. Because it's doing, it's not, it's not even in a case. There's just, there's just a big desk with a, just a row of hard drives on their side, just like connected to this thing. And then you know, I've got the the PCs just running, sitting on the box for the motherboard kind of deal. Because it's not in a, it's going to go in an arcade cabinet. You like fire? Because yeah, because I like just things lighting on fire. Yeah, but, I mean, but I mean, I, I is, but I was is, using the is... Intel like Iris graphics that was built into right. that system. Right, right, that CPU, and I was using that for the longest time until I needed a little more horsepower for actually what's my pick of the week, um, which I just did recently, changed yep. to recently. But it was it was fine it, for media center kind of tasks. This this is going to be beyond fine. Yeah, that graphics that. is fine. This this um, what's interesting to me about this is this is essentially the same size as like the Shield TV. Yeah, but this is a Windows based PC, yeah. which which is a. It's pro a and a full, con, It's right? a full Windows PC. It's a pro and a con. Like, the Android TV interface is better than what you get on Windows 10 if you hook it up to a TV and you're trying sure. to use some... Uh, like, if you're trying to hook this up to a home theater PC, you have all the same issues you do if you hook a full-size PC yeah. up to your machine, except you do it's have tiny. You do have, like, the Steam, and it's you got know, 10-foot cool, interface stuff. Cool-ass... And... I don't know if we... Yeah, the cool-ass skull cool. logo on there. Yeah. I This sat in a box too long, and I feel bad about it. This is This is... Having seen a couple of reviews of it and, and talked to the people who made this is really, really cool hardware. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the, uh, the Razer external GPU docks? Yes. You can connect it to Thunderbolt. And this is one of the approved devices for it. Huh. So you, in theory, for whatever reason, you can hook up a full-size GTX 1080 to that platform and play games, play games that way. Sweet. So, there you go. All right. Uh, who's up next? Josh. Me. What do you got for us? So, I've been testing the Fanatec stuff. Fanatec. And the thing that has impressed me the absolute most are these. Okay, what are they? Tell they me. are the pedals. Pedals. And they are extremely accurate. They're very configurable. They're heavy. Mm. They're all machined aluminum. It's... A beauty to drive. It feels very much like, I guess you know, driving they, real, they, well, real sport know, pedals a video in a real guy sport car. Who's running twenty four hours Le Mans, and he was sitting in his Porsche nine something something something. Yes. And he was holding on to his Fanatec uh, <laughs> nine something uh, face, <laughs> and he was he was showing how that reacted versus what was actually in the race car. And it was essentially identical. Right. It's and cool. it took me a little bit to get used to these things, but they're amazing. I had to send them back, and I'm sorry for that. But if you're really into racing and really like this stuff, these are just 
amazing pedals, whether you mount them on a racing thing or or you have them on carpet. Can I put them in my car? No. Mm. Okay. Sorry. Do you have a USB port that you can? <laughs> I have a USB port actually, in my car. Actually, he does, but I don't think it re- responds to uh, racing mm. wheels. The no, same way. no, no, no. Um, but, but you can use this with uh, Thrustmaster so cool. and others because uh, it it attaches to oh. a USB port. You plug that in, install the the, uh, the Fanatec drivers, and you could use it as such. They they it's look, expensive, but boy, they look high quality. They're impressive photos, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. All right, Alan. Is that are you up next or you want to go Sebastian next? Uh, all right, who's next? I don't know. It would be me, I guess. This one? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh so uh I had a Wii years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the kids used to play games on it, which meant that I of course had to put the whole mod it, put the games on the hard drive so the kids don't destroy all of the discs kind of thing. Good plan. Right. Same I did the same thing with the Xbox when you know when we got that years before that. Uh so I had all these images lying around, wasn't really messing with the Wii at all. Saw that Dolphin 5 came out and figured, well, what the heck? I haven't tried any of this Wii emulation stuff yet. Tried that. I mean, it literally plays exactly the same. Like, I had it hooked up to my Media Center PC. My, my, I had my Media Center PC doing the emulation. It was able to kind of pull it off with the even with the Intel Iris graphics, but I ended up throwing like an old 680 in it or something just to give it a little more, you know, a little more juice. Yeah. Uh, to be able to just render the 3D stuff because it's actually rendering the 3D stuff on the GPU. Just, you know, it just translates it due to the emulation, right? But it was just super, super faithful. Like, very few issues I saw anywhere, like where it was something I could pick out that, oh, that doesn't look like it does on the Wii. I love this screenshot in these descriptions where they say various floating point rounding errors used to cause tons of issues in games. Uh, yeah. And now they just fixed them. Yeah, Floating they, point they, rounding issues. It's just like how well, many how many digits do you think that was? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was just it was things where the just the hardware, you know, it was just relying on the hardware within the Wii to do the yep. math a certain way, right? Versus you know, versus um the, versus the emulation just trying to better mimic what what the Wii was actually doing. Hmm. Right. Um and there there were just very few cases where um where it would kind of like get slow slow down to the point where it was like it would have dropped frames. It actually kind of like the sound actually cuts in and out very quickly when that happens. So it's kind of jarring. So you need to have enough GPU horsepower hmm. to be able to keep up. Right. But once you've done that, like the graphics look just 10 times better than they did coming from the Wii because it's rendering at higher resolutions. Right. Yeah. You can even kind of overdo it if you have enough horsepower to put behind it. You can actually run games at 4K. Like it will rent, it will do the rent. It's not just scaling up to 4K. It will do the rendering at 4K or at least a multiple. Now I of, imagine some textures might look odd. The textures do start looking. Those aren't those aren't scaled. Yeah. Directly. Well, I mean they're yeah. they're just bigger, but yeah. they're and they're textures that were meant for smaller stuff. Yeah. You know, smaller, smaller smaller resolutions. But there are actually uh, groups of guys like I I uh, forget which Zelda game it is, but they've uh, like the Underground came out with a better version of the like there's a texture pack for the Zelda game. Which replaces all the lower resolution textures in the game is. with higher resolution textures. Of course there is. And it looks like, you know, it's like when people reskin Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that, and it looks like amazing. They did that for Zelda for a Wii emulator, right? So it's, you know, it's it's cool stuff. Um, and there's even, I think, experimental like DX12 support, which I haven't toyed around with. But Interesting. Uh, um, Vulcan. That was Vulcan. I think it's actually it DX12. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway. Uh, predictions for next release, virtual reality sport, proper stereoscopy support built in infrastructure uh, into Dolphin that could be added for more impressive features. We're hopeful that with some tweaking and added infrastructure, head-mounted displays can be supported to give users a chance to step foot in some of their favorite worlds of yesteryear. Which I have already heard, I was reading in a few places where people were already playing around with that. Vulcan back end. All right. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It's interesting to see that kind of a thing, like, ported... Because usually emulation is really just about, like, 2D kind of stuff, typically. Yeah. You know, you're just emulating old arcade games or something like that, and it's just, you know... Alan, how do you get the motion bar connected to the PC? (laughs) Okay. Do you? So... Well, no. It only the, needs to be powered on. First of all, the bar is just a pa- passive. It just has LED lights on it, right? Infrared LEDs on it. Oh, the, okay. The Wiimote screens are the things that track, like what, how, where they're pointed, right? Um, but my hack currently, since I don't have a USB powered or just aftermarket battery powered uh, sensor bar, which is what that's called, even though there's no sensors in it, uh, I actually have my Wii sitting on my living room floor, on, not doing a thing. With the sensor so bar stupid. powered off of the Wii. So I actually have the Wii in the place where it would need to be to be playing the games. Oh, so all it does is have just some lights in a certain spot? Yeah, there's, and... just, a, there's just an array of lights on either side oh, of the okay. sensor bar. Uh, and, and the Wiimotes just look at those lights. So literally, this is the same principle as the old NES light gun for Duck Hunt. Uh... Where, it, where the TV no, screen no, well, yeah, displayed the, a square the, the and the, TV the screen gun flashed. was what read the screen. That's true. Yeah, That's yeah, true, yeah. yeah. So it was similar, but, I mean, the, the Nintendo Wii, <clears throat> the, the sensor bar just has two uh, IR LEDs yeah. that are placed at a specific distance apart so that your controller always knows where you are relative to them. Yeah, just your right? distance. Yeah. And that's right. why you can be offset, you know, on, on an offset angle from the set. And even though you're you're technically not pointing the Wiimote ahead, now you're pointing it kind of to right. the side. But it's still the hand that you're moving around on the set is still like right where you're pointing it. And the Wiimotes right. connect to the PC just through Bluetooth. Yeah, this is okay. regular yeah. Bluetooth. We, like Ken and I did that years ago. When we were doing using the Wiimote hacks with IR LEDs to do a dry remote, uh, remote mouse or something. No, a uh, uh, a digital whiteboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were using Wiimotes for that too. So. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right, Sebastian, you are up last. Of course. <laughs> hey, so this cooler, I have a, some hands-on here as I'm sitting with all this junk around me. So this right here in my hands, if you cut back to me, is the heat sink for the ever-popular Hyper 212 Evo from Cooler Master. Looks nice. Looks sizable. Yep, mm-hmm. sizable. But it's, it's a little skinny, a, you know what I'm saying? They are skinny. They're not. They're not super thick, but... It's got they enough surface area it. to perfectly complement the 120 millimeter fan that comes with it. Yep. So then you move up to something like Noctua's NHD 14, which is a twin tower. So each tower is about the same size, but obviously you have twice as much like fin area on this massive heat sink. Well, Thermalrite has a heat sink they actually sell as a passive a passive cooler. They sell this, it's called the uh, Legrand uh, Le Grand Macho. Macho. Which is sold Holy as this geez. plain unit here. So you can replace your kettlebell with that for that your workout, insane. right? Look at the this, size of that. This thing, look at the base of this thing. Do you even need a fan? 
No, no, it, this can replace an Intel stock cooler. I have not tried it yet. That's the oh next step. But so they took this product that they already sold as the Legrand Macho, mm-hmm. and they are now shipping it with a higher performance version of um, one of their 140 millimeter fans, which has a uh, fluid dynamic bearing. So it's paired with this huge. Oh, what is the model here? The TRTY147B, which is the new version of the A. And it is it is a monstrous combination. And I, I finished the review, uh, which is, uh, you know, it'll be published soon. Mm. But when you read this, just look at the performance you can get out of something that was intended to be efficient enough to cool passively inside your case with whatever airflow you have you add a high performance fan to the mix it is ridiculous what you can do with this air cooler plus don't you get to tell all your friends what your cooler's name is oh yeah i mean who doesn't want the la grand macho now it's the la grand macho on amazon they have it listed strangely when i could finally find it for sale anywhere oh. it's actually the la grand macho rt on thermal right site. The one without the fan. Oh, no. no. The one with, oh, with the fan. The fan. Okay. So without the fan, is just the macho, and then with the fan is the RT. I'm not sure why. Here's the La Grande Macho. Yes. I like how it has oh. three of the same stock photo. <laughs> it's, very, it's, it's very helpful. <laughs> it's very helpful. One's Thank PNG, so one's much. JPEG, and one's TIFF. What's the problem? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. You know who the engineer was? Brush when you read the review. Who, who, right. who made that? What's that? You know who the engineer was who made the, the Legrand Macho? Miguel Cervantes. Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a movie reference I keep trying to remember that relates with this all this stuff, but I'm just not getting. God, it. you 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 people, you heathens! What was that movie about? The, like the Mexican wrestler dude. The Man uh, of La Mancha. Is that what I'm trying to think of? No. No. Sorry. <laughs> heathens. I like to disappoint Josh. It really makes non. Me Reading literate, educated heathens. I read many of these stories that were published. Don Quixote. Who's Don Quixote? I know who Don Quixote is. Wrote a donkey. Fought the man uh, of La Mancha. Fought windmills. Yes, which is kind of what I do with you guys sometimes. I feel the same. Same, bro. Same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So that's it for the show. Sancho Panza. That must be Ken. We're, We're leaving. Okay, <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it for the show. Thank you for watching. Uh, PCPro.com slash podcast is where you can find all the back episodes and blah, 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 blah. Uh, the next several weeks of podcasts are likely going to be messed up in some fashion. Um, we're not going to record a podcast next Wednesday. We're going to record it next Thursday night. When we get to QuakeCon, we're going to set up and actually record it live at QuakeCon. So if you're listening to this uh, and you want to come to the recording, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I will talk about what room we're going to be in and what the setup is and all that type of stuff. Uh, And if you have beer and you want to bring it, that's cool too. Josh isn't going to be there, so our beer consumption level will be a little bit lower than previous years. So we won't need as much of the hard stuff. Um, Not only that, but, but your consumption money will be much lower. I think my consumption money will be way higher. Oh, you mean I'm spending less? Mm. You're spending less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have more money in my less pocket. Less plane tickets, less beer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so that'll that's that's next week, and then the following week after that, 
will probably have a podcast without me. And then the following week after that, we'll probably do a podcast where I'm in San Francisco at IDF. Um, so we'll figure all that out as, uh, as we go. So, um, that's it. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Sebastian Peake. And I'm Alan Malmontano. Bye. I got to get Good up and night. hit the button. Oh, no, you can do it. What, Use button the mouse. Do you, what button do you got to hit? Hit the record button. Oh, I got to cycle it. Hold on.